0: On this episode of The Playbook, I have Alan Murfka. He is the co-founder of E! Entertainment. And we're going to talk about how watching the movie The Godfather over 400 times helped him prepare for the movie Mafia. Join me for all of this and more on The Playbook. This is The Playbook, where I give you access each week to the world's greatest athletes and executives about their personal and professional playbook and what has made them champions on and off the field this is the playbook i have alan mervka he's an entrepreneur film producer screenwriter but really well known as him and his partner co-founded a small little entertainment company called e entertainment television uh alan has his own company the alan mervka company and does some real estate as well you are what i call a true entrepreneur alan and i want to start out by saying number one thank you for coming on You're a legend in the the space, but I really want to know one thing. Was this born into you or was it something that was learned? Because guys like you that are involved and successful in so many different things, I'm always wondering, you know, is this something you were born with or did someone have an impact on you to become this way?
1: Well, first of all, thank you, David. Thank you for having me. Um, Well, you know, I I have sort of an eclectic background. Uh, I went to school for architecture. But I've been a a movie lover, a movie and television lover, since I was five years old, literally. Uh, Back when I was growing up in New York, they'd have a thing called the Million Dollar Movie, which was the movie of the week. And I would watch the same movie every night the whole week. So entertainment's been in my blood my whole life. Um, And as far as being an entrepreneur, I think that I really credit that to my father, who was a great entrepreneur. He, He came to this country from Europe with no money. And he became very successful and he sort of nurtured me along from a little, you know, from a little kid to, to an adult. So you know,
0: everything evolves. You, you know, you even with E! Entertainment, it didn't start out as E! You were kind of evolving into it. And at that time, when, when you guys founded it, um, it was interesting because everybody wasn't sold on the fact you could have a specific niche uh, station or network, right? It, it, they weren't yeah. sold on ESPN. I mean, I worked early on in the early days of ESPN and it was not what it is today, uh, at all. What were some of, to share with people, the perspective that you had as it evolved or fears that you had that, gosh, you know, will, will people really enjoy a, a full entertainment, uh, vertical or network?
1: Well, uh, when I was in college, I was a big, big MTV fan. I would watch MTV all day long. It was all music videos and hosts. When I got out of school where I was actually still in my last year of architecture school, I started thinking about what I could do to get into the entertainment business because I really loved the business and I was in architecture school. So, uh, you know, knowledge is everything. And, and I was like a sponge with trying to just learn everything about the entertainment business I could. And I went to a, um, a seminar in Los Angeles on how to sell your screenplay to a motion picture studio. So they had a, a bunch of speakers up there, a lot of studio heads, and nobody was talking about uh, how to sell your screenplay to a studio. Everybody was just talking about the high cost of, of advertising movies nationally. So I sort of thought, you know, sat around, thought about it, and I said, wouldn't it be great to sort of do an MTV of the movies? That was the original thought of it. Um, Instead of music videos, it would be trailers. we would still have the VJs you know, talking about the movies, interviewing the stars, doing behind the scene clips. You know, when movies are made, they spend over $100,000 on what they call an electronic press kit. And they do the interviews with the stars. So really all we had to do is cut our own hosts into the electronic press kit, and we would have our own interviews with the stars. So I used to say back then, um, you know, I, I used to watch a lot of television since I was little. And back in the day when I started this cable was in its infancy and cable was just breaking out into what I call narrow casting. There's broadcasting and narrow casting. So I used to say that uh, back in the day, I used to say, television is like a newspaper. You have headlines and headline news. You had sports and entertainment, uh, uh, sports and ESPN, you had weather in the weather channel but you didn't have the entertainment section of that newspaper so my goal was to start that entertainment section of the newspaper and back in the day when i started it it was it was very difficult to raise money and get it started because uh, most people didn't really understand the cable business i used to go into my meetings and i'd say what cable company do you have and they'd say hbo these are the most exp- you know most experienced investment bankers, they'd say, "I have HBO." I'd say, "No, HBO is a network. What cable company do you have?" They say, "No, I, I, I think I have HBO." <laughs> so we had to we had to teach them cable, and then pitch the idea, and then pitch why this idea would be a good idea in the future. So, of course, today, cable television is all narrowcasting. You have the golf channel, you have sports, you have weather, you have Playboy, you know, whatever your whatever your niche is, it's all narrow casted. So the days of broadcasting is sort of is sort of behind us. And narrow casting is, is what's happening now.
0: Yeah. Who so, would have ever even thought that it would become so narrow that our own broadcast news would become narrow casting in Very true to a specific audience, right? That blows my mind. Just real quick, I gotta see your reaction to this because you and I are about the same age, and uh early, early cable guys, and they first came out with the movie channel and they played a movie, The Duchess and the Dirtwater Fox, like 15 times a day, every day. MTV launched, I think it was Joan Jet. Right. Put another nickel in that that video played all day long. And, you know, if you're watching the the movie of the week every day, were you watching these movies and these videos all day long as well?
1: Well, programming has been everything in in, in the entertainment business since the beginning. There's always been sort of that little shortage of programming. So when, when when more movie channels would open up, they were all fighting over the same few movies and when they would get a hold of a mu- movie they would just show it over and over again. You know, I <laughs> here's movies I've watched, I'm, I'm a movie buff. I've watched The Godfather over 200 times, right? Best so movie ever. So, right. So th- there are, there are movies that you just keep watching over and over again. But there are very specific uh, situations that made those networks like MTV when they when they did the Thriller video with Michael Jackson, that really made MTV. Yeah. Oh. You know? um, the, the the first Iraq War. Um, uh, Operation Desert Storm made CNN because, if you remember, and Wolf a CNN reporter. Wolf <laughs> yeah, but there was a CNN reporter in a hotel room in Baghdad reporting
0: when the first bombs had dropped. So scared everybody shitless. was glued to it. He was scared shitless. I remember that. That's it's yeah. so fun. Now, talk about you know four hundred times. You know, you were talking about the learning curve was very difficult because you had big investment bankers, financial guys, big businessmen who thought that their cable network was HBO. And you were trying to raise money for an entertainment uh, business and platform. And you must have really gotten a lot of rejection, people laughing at you, scoffing at you, making fun of you because they didn't understand what you were actually trying to raise money for. Well, the first thing I did was,
1: was, get introduced to my then partner, Larry Namer, And Larry uh, put together a business plan and we thought we needed $7 million to start the network. You need a billion dollars to start a network. That's how off we were. So I spent the next three and a half years with Larry trying to raise $7 million. I went back and forth to Los Angeles every few weeks for three years. The flight attendants knew me from going <laughs> back and forth. Um, I I figure that we got rejected about four hundred times, no baloney. We got rejected four hundred times. Um, part of that is what kept me going. I always say I'm a spoiled brat, and the more people that say no to me, the more people I say I'll show them.
0: Right? <laughs> I so bet your wife. I bet your wife is beautiful. With a yeah. guy that knows how to take rejection like you, I bet she's beautiful.
1: <laughs> so when 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 we. Um, Got rejected four hundred times. We kept going. You know, we, we knew it was a great idea. You know, ideas are in the air, and a lot of people said, "Oh, it's a genius idea." It was a good idea. I'm no genius, but um, but I knew it was a good idea. Larry knew it was a good idea, and we um, just knew not to let it go. So we just kept going and going and going. Uh, and it's a numbers game. The more people you pitch, finally someone will say no. I was on a flight back from Los Angeles uh, and I got upgraded to first class. I sat down, I was, you know, I think I was 27 years old, 26 years old. I sat down next to a guy in a suit and he was reading all entertainment magazines and papers and he was speed reading through, he had a stack of them. I said, this guy's probably somebody in the entertainment business. He's in a suit, he's in first class, he's reading the Hollywood Reporter and Variety. I'm gonna pitch this guy. I pitched the guy on the flight home and he said to me, you know what, this is a great idea. He's like, give me 30 days, I'll get you the money. And it won't be a question of whether you can get the money, it will be a question of whose money you want to take. I said, okay, sounds good. (laughs) Uh, Larry Namer came into New York and we we went around and he took us on a roadshow down in Wall Street and one company bit, one company gave us, committed two and a half million dollars. You could hardly make a movie for $2.5 million. But we got the network on the air for $2.5 million. Uh, that same investment banking company then gave us, raised us $50 million three months later, another $50 million another three months later, another $100 million three months later. So we raised $200 million in the next nine months uh, after we had proof of concept. Yeah. You know, so we dealt with rejection. Rejection drove us to work harder. Uh, And eventually we got it done.
0: And, you know, what's interesting about both, I I always call your Larry, the other Larry legend. So you got Larry Bird and and your Larry, uh, because it's just one thing to be successful at a venture and have the consistent, persistent behavior that you and Larry had, but you both continue to be successful with new opportunities. And, you know, I say anybody can be successful once, but to continue to grow and learn like you both have and to mentor so many people to help so many charities, you know, what are some of the lessons that you learned through that more challenging, uh, you know, journey that then has allowed you to propel yourself with these new opportunities throughout the last two decades, uh, decades as well.
1: Well, I, I like to pride myself in someone who uh, has my finger on the pulse of what's going on. You know, uh, uh, I I read this thing about Warren Buffett, that he goes into uh, work every day, he shuts his door, and he reads for three hours. He reads newspapers for three hours. Now, that's a guy, obviously, who's enormously successful, but you could learn from that. Um, I could look at a newspaper, and I could see opportunity in the newspaper. Uh, You have to look around and, and recognize opportunity and what can be done. Everybody you know, comes up with ideas and it was going to be a great idea if they did this or did that. Well, the, the, the move is to pursue that idea. And, um, I like to see what's going on. You know, I, I like to read a lot about everything, read as much as you can, watch as much news and television, you know, intelligent television as you can. And, and, and ideas and opportunities come out of those things. So, um, that's what I've done over the years. And, Um, that's how I decide what to pursue. I've had a lot of failures. You know, once somebody brought me into a bank to meet the president of the bank, the president wanted to meet me. So I sat down in this big boardroom and finally the president came in, she came in, she was very nice. She shook my hand and she said to me, does everything you touch turn to gold? And I said to myself, she should only know that I've had more failures than successes. So the, the, the goal is to really uh, you know, I, I say this, listen, the best batter in baseball, bats 400. Okay. And that's the best batter in baseball. history. So, you know, most batters bat in the 300s, that's three out of every 10 times they get a hit. So, uh, you know, the, the idea is, is you just have to keep on going. You know, my father always said to me, my father was a big, big boxing fan. And he always said to me, keep on punching. You know, whenever I was down, whenever I failed, he'd say, keep on, punch, get up and keep on punching. And that's really it. That really sums it all up. You have to just keep going. You know, don't do anything reck- recklessly, but um, decide and then pursue it. And if something happens and it doesn't work, you just got to pick yourself up and keep going. Because like I said, I've had a lot of failures. Larry's had a lot of failures, but overall you, you'll you have more successes that you'll have more wins than losses, right? And you have more, more wins in the win
0: column. That's what you need. Yeah. And sometimes you, unlike baseball, all we need is one big win, right? You could have a bunch of small, little losses. Absolutely. And have one big win and you're fine. Uh, just curious, out of the 400 or so people that rejected you, as you had you know, three more rounds of funding right after your initial proof of concept uh, seed capital, how many of the 400 that rejected you came on board? You, you did any of them? or Because usually that's the case, right? Well, we didn't approach those people and nor oh. did I want those people. Wow
1: that, that you know that they were um they were sort of not not all the right investors. what we did from that from the point where we raised the two and a half million on, we had strategic investors, which obviously made things a little easier um, uh, One of the reasons that we got e going when we did was there was what I call a technology war in those days. Um, we pursued it for three years, but at the end of the three years um there was a time where DirecTV was announced, the phone companies announced that they wanted to bring programming to your household, and then there were the cable companies. So the cable companies were worried that if they lose the technology war, if they lost to TV, because nobody knew how it was going to shake out at the time. So if they lost to the phone companies or TV, they're out of business. So what happened was a lot of the cable companies got together and started buying up networks, so they said to themselves if we lose this technology war if the phone company ends up being the 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 way that households receive your your programming at least we'll own the networks. Yeah. So we had the same board of directors as CNN. They there was this group they, they you know a lot of people called them the cable mafia they were just this very very powerful group of of cable operators
0: there's the God. There's the Godfather in you. The cable yeah, mob. I mean,
1: basically, they said to us, either either take this deal or we're not going to carry you on our cable networks. We said, okay, we'll take the deal. But <laughs> uh, you know, they got together and they started buying up networks, and they also looked at new uh, emerging networks. And 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 everybody knew that the entertainment section of the of cable was about to happen. You know, in fact, we we had once we announced, even before we got on the air, we had like. Three companies announced entertainment channels against us that failed. Like yeah. Ted Turner announced one. Yeah. Uh, the guy who owned at the time, Roy Spears, who owned the Home Shopping Network, announced a network called Entertainment Today, and and uh, and VH1 became. A, they announced they were turning VH1 into an entertainment, uh, you know, an all day, twenty four hour Entertainment Tonight kind of channel. They all failed against us.
0: Last question real quickly, you know, you, three and a half years, a lot of rejection, but a lot of entrepreneurs out there that listen and watch this show, they always want to know the inside secret of surviving, uh, not just the emotional side, but financially, how did you stabilize your economy? Because that's a, a, a lot of effort to, to get this going. And I'm sure you didn't make a ton of money on your seed capital round. Uh, to get to that point, though, how did you survive? What, what was your, your strategy? while I was
1: trying to get it started. Yeah. I I was in the construction business. I was in the real estate construction business. Since going to architecture school, I got out of school and I was renovating brownstones um, in Jersey City and Hoboken. So I always tell people I went from the least glamorous business to the most glamorous business and now back to the least glamorous business. (laughs) But I mean, it is hard. That's the difficult part. I mean, that's the most difficult part about being a young entrepreneur is, you're not going to make money for a while. And even after we uh, raised the money, my salary was about 60,000 a year as the CEO. Yeah. So they weren't handing out a lot of money. It was like, you're in and you got to work it. And if it becomes successful, you're successful. So they were a tough board. They beat us up, but I had a love for it. I had a drive and nothing was going to stop
0: me good thing you watched The Godfather so many times. You knew exactly how to handle those guys. Uh, So that was perfect. Well, Alan, thank you so much for sharing that wisdom, your experience, and your journey. You're an incredible person, philanthropist, and entrepreneur. Please come join me again.